following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Good morning. I'm Doug, and I'd like to invite you, all of us, into a, a time of contemplative prayer, which is a form of prayer where we try and listen more than we talk. So there's a story that I'm, I'm going to read, and what I'd like you to do is to just sort of think and feel about who are you in this story. Jesus comes into a village, and there are ten guys with a terrifically yucky skin disease, that's the technical term, and it was so yucky that, that people didn't even want to be near them, they couldn't go near people, and Jesus tells them to do something. So, in the story, just are you feeling like you've got a situation that is beyond you to fix, but really needs fixing, or maybe you're feeling more like a spectator who's going to learn about Jesus by just sort of watching, checking this out. Or the disciples who figure, well, I think I know what's going to happen here, but I probably need to pay attention more. Um, if you think you're the person in the story who has total cosmic power, then we probably ought to talk. <laughs> so, here's the story. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. He, as he entered the village, ten lepers, these are the guys with the skin disease, approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. As they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were ten guys made clean? The other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? He said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. So, as you think about who in the story you're kind of like today, try and sort of feel the feelings, what you would feel if you were walking or running to the priests, what you'd be hearing, what you'd be seeing, and just sort of go into that and use your imagination to bring you into the story. And then, wherever you, you are in the story, bring Jesus in. Add in the words from the point where you are. And Jesus, amen. So last week we kicked off uh, this new teaching series called On the Road with Jesus. And uh, this will run all through October and November, take us all the way to the start of Advent, which of course will get us thinking about Christmas, not that life goes by too fast or anything. But the idea of the series is fairly simple and straightforward. Um, we're simply going to continue to use the weekly lectionary readings, uh, but my sermon each week is going to be based on the gospel readings, that is the, the readings from the books that are about Jesus' life and teaching and ministry. 
And in doing that, I've given this series this subtitle, Travelers with the Teacher. I, I hope that we'll be able to imagine ourselves as kind of moving around with Jesus and learning about Jesus and learning from Jesus. So that concept uh, is, as I said, very simple, but uh, it's not always going to be easy to do the work of learning from Jesus and learning about Jesus. And the reason is that the teachings of Jesus are, they're not just there to inspire us, though hopefully that will happen. It's very likely that they will also surprise us, challenge us, maybe even annoy us or upset us and almost guaranteed to confuse us at least once or twice in the next few weeks. And one of the reasons that we can get confused by Jesus is that we are, of course, so far removed from the time and place and the culture where he lived and taught, and uh, also from the religious sensibility that uh, he brought to the table as a Jewish rabbi. And so the Bible can be hard to understand sometimes for that reason, but I really want to make it clear that I do believe that you can hear from God through the Bible, in spite of those challenges. In other words, you can hear from God with even a very basic reading of Scripture without having any extra special knowledge or anything like that. But I will say that if we are willing to put in some time and effort with the biblical text, I think that the result has potential to be a deeper experience with God. And that's not because we are really good Christians and we've earned our smarty pants religious points, but it's rather instead that it's it's simply that our, our understanding will increase. And I think that opens us up to new possibilities with God. And so with that in mind, uh, what I want to do with today's gospel text is to start with one of those very simple, basic readings, the simplest one that I could come up with. And then I want to gradually begin to peel back layers from this text and uh, see if we can find some even deeper meaning. And I actually have... Five layers of meaning that I um, saw in this story as I was studying it that I'm eager to share with you, and uh, I think we probably have time to get through all five of them. We'll see. Um, So let's get started with that. Uh, As I said a minute ago, I believe you can hear from God with even the most basic reading of Scripture, and I really do mean that. And so the first layer of meaning that I see in this story from Luke 17 that we just heard read... Uh, is one that I believe you could grasp even if it was the first thing you ever read in the Bible. So if you've never read a word of the Bible before, you come to the Bible and read this story, I think you could get this far, which is to say this. You could see these ten individuals have a condition, an illness, and they're trying to get close to Jesus, as close as they can get to him, still at some distance from Jesus, who's this teacher who apparently is reputed to be a miracle worker, and they cry out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, even as a novice scripture reader, you might read that and find yourself crying out to Jesus yourself, asking Jesus for your own miracle. And you might ask Jesus for a miracle even if you're not quite sure you believe in Jesus, in all the ways that, you know, one might believe in Jesus. You might be crying out to Jesus for healing, for restoration, for cleansing, for peace of some kind. And then you could go further in the story and see the one person who turned back of the ten who were made clean to offer thanks to God, the one who came back 
praising God and giving thanks to Jesus. And you might hear Jesus wondering why it was that those of, a, of the group who probably maybe should have known better failed to do the same. And that in turn might inspire you to offer your own thanks to God for the blessings in your own life, whether great or small. Whether you feel like you are part of the in-group or whether you consider yourself more of a religious foreigner, to use the, the word that Jesus used. You might begin to realize that maybe you have received things that you haven't been thankful for. And just that very simple reading of the text, crying out to Jesus for mercy, even if you're not sure what you believe, and giving thanks to God for what you have in your life, whether it's great or small, that alone might be a pretty meaningful experience with the biblical text. And it didn't require any sophisticated study. Um, It didn't require any special knowledge at all. That might be God's message for you in this passage even today. And if that's the case, then thanks be to God. So I want to peel back that layer and go a little bit deeper with this text and see what we find underneath. And for me, the second layer of meaning that came when I started to explore the idea that the man who returned to give thanks to Jesus was a Samaritan. Remember Jesus said, basically, didn't I hear heal ten people? <laughs> was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So uh, if you don't know, the term Samaritan is essentially an ethnic classification. So this is a group of believers in the God of Israel who are from an offshoot of the the Jewish family tree. That's an oversimplification, but that's kind of the general idea. Now, the Samaritans, for the most part, had the same beliefs as Israelites, but they had a slightly different version of Torah, of the five books of the law. And, importantly, they worshipped at a different temple. So the Samaritans would worship in a different place. They would have a different priestly class than the Israelites had. But, if you start to study that idea a little bit further, you realize that the division between Samaritans and Jews was much more than just a familial one, much more than just a liturgical one. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. They were, in fact, incredibly violent toward one another. There's even a story uh, earlier in this same book of the Bible that we're looking at, earlier in Luke's gospel, where Jesus is prevented from passing through and spending time in a Samaritan city because they saw that his face was set toward Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus was going toward the Jewish temple, not the Samaritan one, and they, for that reason, they saw this division and, and prevented him from staying with them. And his disciples, these lovely people, said to Jesus, Say, Jesus, would you like us to pray and call down fire and brimstone to consume these evil Samaritans? And Jesus said, "Uh, no thank you. (laughs) Many of you know uh, or will have heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now the significance of that story is not so much that um, this member of an oppressed minority group stopped and helped a person who'd been beaten and robbed on the road, right? That's how we kind of apply it today. We might imagine, well, it was, imagine it was a, a, an impoverished um, migrant worker who stopped and helped the person alongside the road. Well, no, Jews committed, uh, considered the Samaritans to be a terrorist group. 
It would be more like um, a, a, an actual Israeli Jew saying it was a member of Hamas who stopped, right? Or for us, it might be that it was a, a member of ISIS who stopped and helped this man along the road. Or maybe for our particular um, median political leanings, we might say it was a white nationalist who stopped and helped the man alongside the road. That's the story of the Good Samaritan. That's how powerfully opposed to each other these two groups of people were. So in this story, Luke presents the detail that the thankful man is a Samaritan to remind his readers that even the people they suppose, even the people we might suppose to be our most barbaric and violent enemies still have the capacity to be blessed by God, to be healed of their ailments, to be cleansed. And even more than that, that those same barbaric, violent people have the capacity to show all of us peaceful, good people the way that we should be truly thankful. And that's a little deeper layer of meaning. Maybe that might be the message that you need to hear today. Thanks be to God. So let's move on, peel back yet another layer, and consider a third way to understand this story. Um, I imagine that a question that many of us had when we read this story for the first time, certainly is the question that I had at first, is why did Jesus tell these people to go and show themselves to the priests? Did you hear that in the story and go, huh? How many of you were kind of like, why would he say that? What does that have to do with anything? Why didn't he just heal them? Thank you, Ruby. Now here, I can give you an answer. (laughs) I can give you an answer, but it's the type of answer that actually leads you back around to the same question you already had, and those answers usually aren't very satisfying. But it's the one that I can give you, so here goes. Let me explain what I mean. Um, The Jewish law contains restrictions and guidelines for people who have a certain class of skin diseases called leprosy. And if you read the footnotes in your Bible, you see every time leprosy appears on a page for the first time, you get this footnote that said it can mean a host of different skin diseases, right? Um, But in the Hebrew Bible, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 13 and 14, which most of you have like halfway memorized probably already, um, you find detailed instructions for people who have skin conditions that may be classified as leprosy. So someone... um, Actually, someone like myself who has psoriasis would be required to go to the priest in the temple and the word is actually show themselves to the priest who would then determine based on certain characteristics of the disease whether it's leprosy or not. And if it's leprosy, the the problem then becomes that that person is ceremonially unclean and is then prohibited from worshiping at the temple and separated from the fellowship of the believers. So it's a pretty big deal to have that classification. But it's kind of a process. They go and show themselves to the priest, and the priest says yes or no, and then seven days later, they go and show themselves to the priest again, and the priest says, well, it's spreading or it's not spreading or it's covering this much of your body or that much of your body and, and determines whether or not it's leprosy. And then, let's say that it is determined to be leprosy. And then let's say that someone is cured of that disease What do you suppose that person has to do then? Go and show themselves to the priest. Because then it's time for the priest to perform the ceremonial washing, which will make the person ceremonially clean again and able to engage with the community of faith once more. 
So you can see why Jesus might say, go and show yourselves to the priests, to this group of uh, people with leprosy. But you can't see why exactly. My question then becomes, is Jesus saying, go and show yourselves to the priests because they know what they're supposed to do. They know they have a skin disease. They're supposed to go and show themselves to the priest. And Jesus knows that they know. And they know that Jesus knows that they know. And so he's just saying, go do the thing that you already know you're supposed to do. Or is Jesus saying, go and show yourselves to the priests because guess what? It's your lucky day. You're about to be cured of your leprosy and it's time for you to undergo the ceremonial uh, process of restoration to the full community of believers. So which one is it? I don't know. I'm not going to try to answer that question for you today. But I will say this. Either way, Jesus seems to be sending them back into the religious system that they were part of. Almost as if he's telling them, you are here talking to me because you're looking for some special new thing. But God is already present in the special old thing. And you are already part of that story with God. So maybe turn yourself back around and get into it. And it could be that today, that's the message from the scriptures that you need to hear. Thanks be to God. Layer number four out of five. We're, we're, we're getting there. This one actually might be my favorite. Um, and it starts with the word go. Did you notice that go is the first word that Jesus says to these people who come to him and cry out for mercy? When someone comes and cries out to you for mercy, go is not usually the correct first word to say to them. I mean, let me give you an analogous example. Um, let's suppose that I was a, a miraculous healer. Right? I know. <laughs> I've known me even longer than you have. But let's say, for the sake of argument, that I was, and the word got out in Rochester, and so someone came to Artisan Church today hoping for a miraculous healing that I could bring down on God's behalf for them in their life. If they came and begged for mercy, and the first thing I said to them was, go away that would be rather uh, an uncaring and harsh response, don't you think? Yet that seems to be kind of what Jesus says. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Go, he says. And yet, when they obey and go, what happens? They're healed. And that is quite interesting. They're healed as they're leaving, as they're going farther away from Jesus. But what's even more interesting than that to me is that Jesus was not the first prophet in the Jewish tradition. This is a big, long sentence, so, so keep, keep with me here. Jesus was not the first prophet in the Jewish tradition to be approached by someone with leprosy for healing and to tell them to go away. Did you catch all of that? Jesus wasn't the first one to do this. That honor goes to the prophet Elisha. And if you are the reading-ahead type and have already read all of the lectionary passages for this week, first of all, gold star. God doesn't love you any more than anyone else, but I do. <laughs> no, that's not true either. Anyway, if you read the whole uh, slate of lectionary passages this week, you already read 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, um, I can't read this whole story to you, but here's the brief summary of it, okay? Uh, Naaman was a, a warrior. He was a, an, like an army lieutenant, basically. Uh, and he was a Gentile. He was a Syrian. Okay? 
He had conquered some Israelites and taken some of them captive, and he had a servant girl, a, a little Israelite servant girl, who saw that he had leprosy and said to him, you should go see the prophet of Israel. Now, somewhat confusingly, she says, you should go see the prophet in Samaria, but in that case, it's more of a geographical designation than an ethnic one, okay? But she, what she means is you should go see the, uh, the Israelite prophet, Elisha. And so Naaman uh, arranges it with the king. To, to, it's a complicated story, but he goes to Elisha. He travels all this way, and he comes to meet the prophet Elisha, who comes out on the road to meet him, keeping the right amount of separation for someone who has leprosy. And um, he's seeking the mercy of this healer, and Elisha says to him, Go. First word he says is go. Go and bathe in the Jordan River seven times. And Naaman's response to this is that he gets kind of, uh, let's go with upset. <laughs> he's very frustrated. He came all this way. He wanted a miracle. He wanted something like really dramatic, and this guy's going to tell him to go wash, go take a bath. You're telling me to take a bath? Don't you think I've tried that? And yet his servants and people prevail upon him to say, you know what, we came all this way, you might as well go take a bath. And so Naaman does it and he's healed. <laughs> but Elijah, just like Jesus would do many, later, many years later, tells him, first thing, go away. And here's what makes that even more interesting, at least to me, and maybe I'm just a super-duper nerd. Jesus specifically mentions this story of Naaman, the Syrian army commander with leprosy, <laughs> earlier in the book of Luke, at an actually very significant moment in Jesus' ministry. What happens is Jesus goes to teach in the synagogue, and he goes and sits down uh, after reading the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and I'll leave it to you to find that in Luke chapter 4 and to go find the exact text that he read, but what he said afterward is very significant. Today, these words from Scripture have been fulfilled in your hearing. That's a pretty bold thing for someone to say after reading the Bible. But he says it. And predictably, the response is not exactly a very positive one. He happens to be in his hometown, and he says, you're not going to even believe me, I know, because no prophet is accepted in the prophet's own hometown. And then he goes on to say this. There were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. In other words, there were many Jewish people who had this skin disease, who needed miraculous healing, and none of them was cleansed. The one who was cleansed was Naaman the Syrian. In other words, a Gentile. So at the very least, this, this layer that we've peeled back can show us that Luke, the writer of this book, is a skilled author. He's doing something that I know will be very familiar to those of you who are taking 10th grade English right now. He's mentioning something in chapter 4 that will then come up later in chapter 17. And what is that called when an author does that? Foreshadowing. That's right. You're almost ready for the AP exam. But there's not going to be an AP exam to get into heaven. I mean, I wouldn't have any trouble with it, but some people might. <laughs> what I think we actually ought to consider is the spiritual truth that's being conveyed here, which to me seems to be that our um, capacity to experience God is not predicated on our being part of the correct religious group. So Naaman the Syrian received the healing of the prophet Elisha. This leprous person who among other people, received healing, but was the only one to come back and have the full experience with Jesus, was the Samaritan. And so you might be in the in-group, 
and you might be not in the in-group. And in either case, it might be true for you that that's the message you need to hear from Scripture today. Thanks be to God. So I have one more layer of meaning. We're going to peel back just one more layer. And this one has to do with the exact wording of what happened to these ten people. Specifically, what happened to nine of them versus what happened to one of them. In this story, ten people with leprosy were made clean, but only one person with leprosy was made well. Did you catch that difference as you read? Little words like that can make a difference to this story. Jesus said, were not ten made clean? And then to the one, he says, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus only said, your faith has made you well, to the one person who returned, who happened to be the Samaritan. Now you may ask yourself, what is the difference? Made clean, made well, they're probably synonyms, right? Well, reading it in English, you could be forgiven for thinking that. But the difference in English is obscured somewhat. Uh, The the difference in Greek is obscured by our English translation, um, which is to say our friendly New Revised Standard Version translators of of the Greek New Testament translated a word into the phrase made well, and that word is sozo, which means saved. So a much more straightforward translation of this, not that I'm in any way claiming to be smarter than the people who translated the NRSV, but in this case it seems, I, I don't understand why they didn't use this word, because they translate this word as saved all throughout the Gospel of Luke and the rest of the New Testament. What Jesus says to the man is, we're not ten made clean, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Now, that's a bit of a different statement, isn't it? That's, that's a, a starker distinction between the experience of the nine and the experience of the one. All ten people with leprosy were healed. They were all made clean, but only one was saved. And the reason for his salvation was not his parentage. It was not his fitness or utility or ability. It wasn't how much money he could give in the temple. It wasn't his holiness or piety. It wasn't his knowledge of the biblical scriptures. It wasn't any of that. It was very simply that he recognized what Jesus had done for him. And he came back and he worshipped him. He knew that he owed Jesus everything. And he threw himself at the master's feet, a sign of complete trust and allegiance. It can be so tempting to take the, the blessings that we've been given and dance off into the sunset, right? enjoying the gifts of God. And honestly, who could blame those nine men? Who knows how long their life had been impacted dramatically by this disease, and for it suddenly to be gone, I might be skipping away too. Just so thrilled. But true, deep salvation comes when we return to Jesus, praising God, giving thanks, and recognizing that the blessing we've received is the free gift of God's goodness. And then, what did Jesus say to the one who was at his feet? Not too far off from what he'd already said to the whole group. He said, get up and go on your way. And that's like the core of it for me. He sends the man off, not into religious strictures, but 
into the freedom that he'd just been given, not only by his physical healing, but by his spiritual healing, by his salvation. And so once more I'll say, it may be that when we get down to that layer of meaning, that is the message that you need to hear today from the scriptures. And thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we see you in these words of Scripture, and uh, we may find ourselves befuddled, confused, upset, encouraged, challenged, or anything in between. Um, It's my prayer, Lord, that through the power of your Spirit, each person who has heard this story today will receive a, a message and a meaning for themselves. May it be that each of us comes to the text and comes away with an experience with God. Whether we are very learned or first-timers, whether we're very religious or not, my prayer is that each one would come to know God better through this story and the ones that we'll encounter throughout this time where we're traveling with the teachings we find in the scriptures of Jesus, in whose name we pray and in whom we trust. Amen. Well, we're going to continue to sing a couple of songs in our service today, and our communion table is open. Um, Our uh, table at Artisan is open to all who are seeking to follow Jesus, whether you feel like you're really good at it or not, whether you're a member of this church or not. It's the table not of Artisan Church or any church, but the table of the Lord Jesus himself, and it's been made ready for those who seek him in this place. So come and receive this uh, sacrament. Take the bread and remember his body, which is broken for you. Dip it in one of the cups, juice or wine, remembering his blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. May it be the real presence of Christ the Savior. May it be an act of unity with those around you. May it be food for your souls, which might be very hungry. If you'd like to receive personalized prayer, there'll be a member of the prayer team at the back of the room who'd be happy to spend some time in prayer with you during this uh, part of our service as well. Our table's open. I invite you to come and receive the sacrament of grace. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.